in the past couple of days. Well, I'm going to talk about Pentecost because today is Pentecost. I want you to know where this, this idea, even God got this idea. And he tells us right in the book of Acts, he even tells us, for those people that don't read the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in Acts, he's talking about it. So I just want to I want to tell you some things that my heart was pondering. I'm very f familiar with the book of Acts. I love it because it tells the beginning of the church and the history of the church and what happened. But they needed that igniting. Yes, they'd just been through all that things. Jesus had been crucified, raised from the dead. Jesus had been amongst them for 40 days, walking with them, right? Revealing himself. It's really not that long ago. It's only been 50 days since Passover. And Jesus was revealing himself. He was dealing with the unbelief. I love that first song we sing to, sang today, Breathe on me, breathe on me, Lord, because remember when he walked through the room and they were still in the shock of unbelief. You know, when when trauma happens, we're like, I can't believe this. I just can't wrap my, you know, we go into this trauma state and everything, our mental state is affected. And they had been in that, but he came in and he breathed. He breathed on them. He breathed life into them of the Spirit of God. Believe me, the Holy Spirit power raised him from the dead, and that was the breath he was breathing on them even beforehand. And so 40 days he was with them, and he was building, continuing to build relationship. He was dealing with their fears. He was uh, teaching them what the, what the Bible and what all the Old Testament prophets had spoken about him, and they were getting it in their minds, and they were starting to understand, and things began to click because so many... Millions did not recognize him as the Messiah, the living, the only begotten son of God. And so 50 days later, or 10 days later, after he ascended, when he ascended, he gave gifts to the church. They were apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He gave the fivefold ministry to the church. It was Jesus' gifts right then at that time of his ascension. The Bible tells us. And then before he left, he says, listen, everybody. We've been hanging out in this upper room for a while since I was raised from the dead. But I want you to remain here, and I want you to wait. Wait for the power from on high. Now, let's talk a little bit about what did that mean to them. They knew it was a feast day. They knew it was a feast day. They'd been coming and celebrating it for millennia. Okay? But they were celebrating it for other kind of reasons. I mean, they had other thoughts in their minds, and we're going to get to that in a little bit quickly. What was really going on in their mind? What, so what would their expectation been? And we'll read the scriptures to send us back and read those quickly right out of my Bible, not of my computer or my phone. In Acts chapter 2, it tells us what happened. We're going to read that in a few minutes. 
But I want to set the stage. Remember, this is only 50 days. And they were still being traumatized. And people were still hunting them down. And you know, all sorts of things were going on. There was upheaval in the land. Not only were they under Roman rule, but there was upheaval everywhere. And uh, some were still struggling with fears and unbelief on top of that. So not much different than our times now, guys. Not much different. They're starting to be this in our society. There is starting to be finger pointing. Finger pointing. Oh, that's one of them. They, they're followers of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Are you experiencing that? There, there's, oh, there's one. Those are the radical right ones over there. They're followers of Jesus, and they're radical. I mean, yeah. You know, and they've even got women preachers over there. Those people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're starting to feel that. Are you not? Are you not feeling marked out? And you see these looks come over people's faces, and you see them huddle and talk about you a little bit. And, and you know, what are we going to do about it? If we don't need the Holy Ghost right now in your life, if we don't need the power from on high as never before, I don't know when, because it's probably not going to get better in the sense of that. But how we respond and how we respond to God and how we respond. I love that song, that last song, because he responds in love. And we do too. But we, that doesn't mean, oh, I love you. Come on. It doesn't mean compromising what the Word of God says about things that are manifesting all over the earth today. And it's my opinion that the judge's opinion, I usually don't get political. I'm just, I'm not getting political. I'm just telling you, yesterday, a judge <laughs> ruled that men can shower in the same showers with women at a Christian private school. Now that will be appealed, but are you hearing what I'm saying? Has the world gone mad? Have we gone mad? Is the world going mad? Can we not use critical thinking anymore about what is proper and what isn't? Has the conscience of man and humanity become so seared that these are the rulings of our judges? In biblical times, the judges would sit at the Cates or whatever and throughout millennia. Is this what we're expecting? What is the church to do about teaching? Because if you teach something, you can be removed. What if I was teaching something in the Bible that was not socially popular, but what God's word? Could, I, could our stream be removed from Facebook? Do I hide it? 
Should I not say it? You know, homosexuality is a taught topic in America. There are beatings, fires, everything that is going on. I know what the Word of God says. I have a Bible school that is basically the Word of God. What's written on these pages, this is the Bible. This is what God says. But in many churches in America, I mean, so let me give you another topic. What if, what if the adulterers, what if I got up here every morning and I saw two or three adulterers and we just go, well, we want you to feel comfortable. We love adulterers. You know, we want you to feel good. We accept you. We love you. You know, don't worry about that. Just come on in. Do you understand what I'm saying? How are we compromising our minds and our thoughts? We need the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean that we don't love them. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what are we saying? Are we articulating? How will they know? So when Pentecost came, I'm going to get off this because I'm rattling, rattling some cages even now. I understand these are issues. But how is his church going to deal with it? Our first call is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. And Jesus said the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that is our first call to love. And that I don't have any problems with that. Love. But Jesus, nor the apostles, they didn't compromise the word. Everything they spoke was through the love of God. Because if God doesn't come to correct my path, right, then where does that leave me? Does he not love me enough to tell me? What if I'm ignorant and I don't know? And I really don't know. Because that's just, it's acceptable. My, whatever, I'm, whatever sin I might be practicing is acceptable. And I don't know. Who's going to tell me? I've got to have the Holy Spirit. I've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to understand there is a Holy Spirit that can come and fill me and lead me every day of my life. Do you hear me? We've got to have it. There are people confused and wounded, but all of it doesn't change what God's Word is. It's eternal. It's life to those who will receive it and eat it. And I'm only bringing up some things in our society to contrast with what's going on and the days of Pentecost in the past. Now, I know you've all watched, I know you've all, most of you, how many have not ever seen the movie Moses and the Ten Commandments? Well, I see only one, one hand. We recommend it's an oldie but a goodie. Um, 
And I don't want to say it saves you a lot of Bible reading time because they have taken liberties. But it does teach you the Feast of Pentecost was in that movie. The first one, it was depicted. It was when Moses went up the mountain in Sinai and the cloud descended and God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to let the people, you know, experience me. They're going to see the clouds of smoke. They're going to see the fire come on the mountain. And they're going to hear the sound of a trumpet. And when they hear the sound of the trumpet, come near, but don't touch the mountain. I'm going to reveal myself. And his heart intent was to write the Ten Commandments on their hearts. He didn't want to put them on tablets of stone. He wanted to touch them by the Holy Spirit and etch the word of God, the Ten Commandments concerning himself. There were more commandments that came later, but these were about basic operations with God. Just ten. Don't kill somebody. Don't covet somebody's wife. Don't lie. Don't lie to me. Don't, don't lie to yourself. You know, what else was there, guys? Oh, honor and respect your parents, you know. Do not commit adultery is in the first set of commands. So that would have been the first thing. If God had written that on their hearts, they would have known that. It would have been burned by the very finger of God into their conscience of mine. This is totally not in my notes, just so you know. No, I wasn't going anywhere on this. But I'm going to try to get back. So this was what he wanted at the first Pentecost. The first time they'd gone out at Passover, and after 50 days, they had the second feast, which was Pentecost. Amen? And so... They come, they get cleansed and everything, but when they hear the trumpet sound, I don't know who was blowing it. I don't even know if someone was blowing it. Because we hear, as we'll read in a few minutes, we heard, it says, when the Holy Spirit arrived at Pentecost with the disciples, 50 days after Jesus you know, Passover, resurrection. This, it said God spoke like thunder, and the sound of it was like a mighty rushing wind. It said the sound of it. It didn't say it blew in like a mighty rushing wind. I don't know. It might have. It might have blown in a blast, but it said the sound of it was like a mighty Rushing wind, blowing, howling. It must have been a major mega sound. And perhaps it could have been the same sound that they called a trumpet at Mount Sinai. That the people were so frightened by it, they went to Moses and said, Okay, we can't see him. We don't want to see this. Now remember, Jesus is always telling people what? To the, I'm speaking to those who have ears to hear. 
And I used to see, but it says right in the, in the first account that they didn't want to see it and they didn't want to hear it. They wanted Moses to go to the top of the mountain and be their mediator and talk to God. And when God told him, when Moses saw it and Moses heard it, he would come back and tell them. And they would do whatever God said. We all know that didn't work out too well, did it? Because of, uh, they, they, promised that God, they promised God that they would do that. And we know that 40 days later, after Moses went up, he was up there for 40 days, they decided that he was never coming back. God had killed him in that horrific fire and smoke as he saw him going to the cloud. And they went to Aaron, Moses' brother, and said, make us an idol, make us a calf. And they all gave up their gold and they made a calf. And Moses came down the, the mountain after God had written the tablets of stone. Word it was on the front and the backs of the tablets. And he sees an orgy and a party going on. Joshua saying, I hear the sound. Joshua's up the mountain, kind of, but not all the way with him. He stayed up there, and he says, I'm hearing the sound down below, but it sound, doesn't sound like a war. It sounds like a party going on down there. And they were partying. And Moses was like, what? After the promises. And we all know the story. He threw the tablets down and was upset. And he went down there and he talked to his brother and he says, what? I'm paraphrasing here. What the heck are you doing? What have you done? And he goes, well, I don't know. I, I just, the people came to me and you know how they are. And you've seen them, the, and, and they said they needed this calf, and so uh, they brought me their gold. He had actually, the account says he asked them to bring it, but he forgot that part when he was telling Moses, okay? And, they, and they, he said, they brought me their gold, and I, I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. I don't know. That's exactly what it is. You've got to read the story. But doesn't that just sound like one of your children when they've just gotten to, when they've just been you know confronted with some truth and when you said to that child what were you thinking what are you do what have you done and they give you this kind of off the cuff story like that does it remind you of yourself yeah so what i'm saying is this was the experience but later, God went to Moses and, you know, I, I mean, uh, talked with Moses and he told him that he was going to, he would, he would deal with it. God begged him to have mercy and he did. And he said, but I'm going to send them another prophet and he's going to be like you. Like you. And whatever he says... They need to do it. <laughs> and basically, they will be blessed if they do it. But if they don't, there will be consequences. We'll read the scriptures. Now I'm coming to the Pentecost that we're going to read about in Acts. They know the story that I just told you. Okay? 
That's Pentecost is a remembrance, a remembrance of all that. Okay? This, you know, so Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. And they're like, what are we going to see? This is the stories we know. This is what is written. Are we going to see smoke? Are we going to see fire? I don't know what they were thinking, but they did have this as a, that story as a reference point. Okay? So we come to that story, and as we, as we ourselves feel that we are in last days or end times, right? Many of us do. How many of you think that might? I mean, just you don't have to raise your hand, but it's a possibility. I know they've thought that since the beginning of time, but come on. Wow. There's some evidence knocking at your door. Right on your door. The Christian door. Ooh. Oh, sounds like the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I don't really know. It depends on the song. I, I wouldn't know how to answer that. Yeah, well, it sounds like maybe God wanted you to hear it again. The Holy Spirit wanted you to hear it again. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Again, they were all in one accord. They were gathered in one place. All the disciples were there. There were 120 of them in the room. I, I don't have time to t read the whole story. I hope you will read Acts 1, 2, 3. Just read the whole book of Acts. You'll love it. It's filled with all sorts of awesome things. But for right now, a great awakening is about to happen. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, this noise. Now some of you have heard a fire alarm go up, right? Well, this was some kind of fire alarm that was going on, okay? This was like, now everybody's, uh, God's got everybody's attention. And there appeared to them tongues of as a fire, and the fire was distributing themselves, and they were resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there was a great awakening here, because in a few moments, they're speaking in tongues. They're speaking in tongues of other nations. They're speaking in tongues of other nationalities. Amen? And now there were Jews, verse 5, living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay, so every nation was represented there that day. They were in town. Why? It was the Feast of Pentecost. That's why. And when the sound occurred, the multitude heard it, and they came together, and they were bewildered because they were each one hearing them speak in his own language of every nation under heaven. 
And they were amazed and marveled, saying, Why are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, or Parthians, the Meds, and the Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them all in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. That's what they were hearing. They were hearing them speaking in other languages, other tongues of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? The others were mocking and saying they were full of sweet wine. Sweet wine was new wine. They thought they were full of new wine. Well, I'll tell you what. They had some spiritual new wine from heaven flop on them. But the, the, the disciples begin to tell them, we are not, this is, this is the morning. This is 9 o'clock in the morning. We are not drunk, as you, some of you are supposing. This is the Spirit of God coming upon us. Now, I want to talk about something. We've got some issues in America right now when it comes to racism. Are you hearing me? This is a story that is planted right now in your today. And there are all sorts of opinions about what we should be doing about it. All sorts of plans. In fact, in some cases, it's like, well, nobody's, those people aren't accountable because, you know, they were victims of tragedy and, you know, what they're doing is just because of that. So there's no response, you know. Let's take care of it. You see, the only answer to anybody's problems is what? Jesus is the answer. The word of God is the answer. God is the answer. But we're coming up with man's ideas again, once again, to try to figure this out and solve the problem. But we've done it multiple times in the course of the history of man. And guess what? It doesn't work. Only redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit who can lead you and guide you into all the truth is the answer. The one who can heal you of your problems, the one who can change your life, the one who can heal you from a victim mentality, mentality to an overcomer's mentality, you're changed. You're born again. You get a second chance at life. You are literally born again when you receive Christ and you are adopted into the family of God. And over and over, he comes and he heals and he restores. We sang about it this morning. Now, this is what happened. Do you think we've got, I said, a great awakening a little bit ago. It was a great awakening for that hour. Because within minutes, within hours, 3,000 people, after Peter got up and preached, he started with saying, look, we're not drunk, but I got, I got a little something to say. And then he had to say it. 
And then they were convicted about what they had just done to Jesus and everything else going on in their lives. And they were like, I'm getting a second chance. I can repent of my sins and I can receive salvation and be set free. And at least 3,000 of them took up the offer right there that day on Pentecost. Do we need the anointing and the fire of Pentecost on us right now? We're talking, I see in the, you hear the term woke. It's a woke generation. These people are woke. They've, they've woken up to, the, to, to some supposed superior truth. There's only one truth. And for the last 30 years, man has tried to teach us that truth is not absolute. It's conditional on whatever you think it is. That's a lie. But this is what has been produced. Do you think that we need to be woke to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? This was the answer to racism in the day. There was racism going on there between the Jews and the Gentiles and everybody else and everybody who thought they were better than others. And God just came down that day with the fire from the mountain of heaven and he descended on them. And I love that picture because the, the nations are represented and the tribes are represented. And God came down and he spoke in a language that every man could hear and understand of the mighty deeds of God. We, I need this today when I'm talking with someone. You need this today when I'm speaking with someone. It was a thing that blew up racism of the day. It blew it up. And they all came to the same place at the foot of the cross. And as you read Acts, you've got to read it. They all joined in. They were hanging out with each other. They were breaking bread with each other. They became, became the family of God. They understood it. The anointing was on them. I'm part of the family. What I, mi casa is u casa. My house is your house. If you have a need and I've got something to fill it, I will help you with it. You need a babysitter and I've got some time on my hands, I'm going to help you with that so you can go do what it is you need to do. Do you see how it was working? And they were breaking bread together. And they were going to the temple to tell others about it. They were going down just like Jesus did to speak the truth and to tell them about what God was doing, what he'd done and what he was doing right now. And this was going on. This was going on every day. And they were breaking bread at all the houses. There wasn't a, there wasn't a conference center or a non-denominational church that was big enough to hold them all. Okay? And they were going from house to house and breaking bread and telling the stories. And much like the song we sang today, talking about somebody's mental health, Oh, re rehearsing, telling them about when Mary Magdalene uh, had seven demons cast out of her. Talking about the healings. Talking about the resurrection of the dead. They were building their faith and they were sharing the true stories of the power of the living God. I love these stories. Don't you? 
Had you ever thought about it? I, I'd never thought about it blew up racism of the day. Have any of you had that idea before? I, was, I told Lonnie, oh, the Lord just showed me. I, I've been praying about ra this whole racist uh, thing that's going to be taught in schools, on and on and on. And I, I don't believe any of it. I don't believe in it. Do you understand? Not what is happening, because I know God has another way, a more perfect way, a more perfect way by his spirit to make us one, one mind, in one accord, in unity, and love, love, love is the answer. One people, out of many come one, out of many come one, and this is what was going on, and I loved it. I hope you you are excited about that because I need that. I went after that. When God told me that, he says, well, I blew it up. I said, then I need that. I need that fire on me right now because I know I'm going to confront this. I'm, I'm still alive today, so it could happen today. I'm not going to shy. You know, we went down south, and I'll tell you right now, I can feel the spirit of the age down there. You know, we don't experience uh, a lot of... Uh, diversity up here in the races where we live. But I love going down there because um, you get everything, everybody's there. It's diverse like the culture I grew up in. I grew up in Los Angeles County and I miss that. And the Asians and all the diversity of the races. It's the first time I've gone down there and could feel a difference. Because we're focusing, I, I just don't know what's happening. And it was hard. I felt the walls in all the races, you know? And, I mean, we've been to nations where we were the only white people. We've been to places where people had never seen uh, Caucasian people before. Do you know? One time Lonnie was ministering and praying over some men, and we were in uh, a place in Trial uh, in Jamaica, and we were at this little tiny church. And Lonnie was praying over the men, and there was a little boy about five years old, and he couldn't get over Lonnie, but he had this hair in his arm. And so Lonnie's eyes are closed, and I'm praying, you know, and I'm watching this little boy, he's five or six, and he goes and he's like pulling the hair, and Lonnie's but Lonnie doesn't open his eyes. He just thinks of he's getting bit by some bug or something, you know. And the little boy does it again, you know. And uh, it's, it's his microphone arm because Lonnie's got this other hand waving and laying hands on people. And I just want to say it was so precious. I, and so then Lonnie realized it was a child. And later the pastor told him that this little boy had never seen any Caucasian. He'd only seen people like himself. And we got to hold this little guy in love. He was just in a morgue. Yeah, he wanted to see if it would, you know, he was trying to figure it out. But it was so adorable. I just mean, come on. I want, I don't want walls between me and my brothers and my sisters. I don't want it. And I, I don't want there to be walls so you can't feel the love that's in my heart for you. You understand? I don't want that. I don't want that. I, I hate ris racism. I really do. It's just not 
a part of what I want to be part of, but a truth that is going out that is really a lie according to the word of God. I can't buy into that. I need this fire at Pentecost. I hope you want it too. I hope you ask God to give it to you because we need it in this hour as never before. Amen? Okay. Well, I'm just about done here. Take you all through. I will give you some other things. So, um, let's see. Where do I want to go from here, Lord? So I want to... So all this was going on at Pentecost... And then I want to jump over to chapter 3. I want to go over here to chapter 3. Now, this is after Pentecost, and this whole whole happening, this unity is happening. I, I want to share this with you because I want us to look forward between now and tabernacles at what God will be moving us in. I'm, I took it by faith. I said, Lord, we need that impartation today. And I prayed it for every one of us. So I have faith that you received it. I received it today. And this is what happened. So Peter had preached this big sermon. 3,000 people were saved. And in chapter 3, Peter and John are together. Now you remember Peter. Peter is the one that denied Jesus three times, right? Peter is the one that Jesus came back to and said, do you, uh, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? I think I just answered that. Yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Okay, great. Feed, take care of my lambs. Jesus kept asking him that three times. Three times total, kind of like the three times he denied him. This time, Peter got to say, Yes, Lord, you are the living God. Who do you say I am? You know that I believe you. You are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Yes. And on, upon this rock, he called him Petros, rock, I will build my church. This all happened around this time, guys. He was talking not necessarily on Peter, like some have taken it. He said, I will build my church on the rock of revelation that you now understand who I am, and that's who I'm gonna bu- how I'm going to build my church because my church isn't my church unless you have that revelation Knowledge in your heart that he is the only begotten son of of God and that salvation comes only through him. Only through him. We have to remind ourselves because the world is telling us lies all the time about how to get to heaven. You've got to know what the word of God says, not what somebody else just waltzed up and told you. You've got to know what the word says. I'm not going out to beat anybody up with this, but I need to know. I need to know so that I can help those who don't. Amen? So in chapter 3, this is next on the agenda. Peter and John, they're going in. They're headed for temple. It's 3 in the afternoon. 
there's a prayer service, and there's prayer going on, and they're bringing an offering. And as they come into the gate, for those of us who were there, this gate doesn't exist anymore. But Josephus and others have said, in our scriptures here, it talks about the beautiful gate, coming through the beautiful gate. Josephus describes it as being 50 meters uh, high and 30 meters wide. So uh, not meters, uh, 50 cubits, cubits, I'm sorry. 50 cubits and, and 30. 50 would be about 75 plus feet high. And it was covered with silver and gold. And it was supposed to be the most beautiful one. It was heavier plate. It wasn't just like flimsy plate. It was like, oh, who knows if it was solid or not, but it was the most beautiful gate, and they believe it was the eastern gate. And so they went through this. It was called the beautiful gate because it was so beautiful. And they go in, and they're all going into temple for prayer, and there's somebody carrying along this guy, and he was a beggar. He was a lame man. He'd been lame. If you go into chapter 4, it tells you he was at least 40 years old. He'd been lame for over 40 years, so probably his entire life. And he couldn't walk, so he's being carried, and then they would sit him down, and he would beg for, you know, alms, money. But on the way in, they're traveling in. They weren't there yet, and somehow this guy might have recognized them. Who knows? He might have recognized them from other times that he didn't get to Jesus. But anyway, Peter and him see this guy. Peter and John see this guy. And Peter goes up to him, and he sees his little can or whatever, a basket. I don't know what he was using to receive the alms in. But he goes, what does he say? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have... I will give to you. This guy thought he needed money. And he did, I'm sure. But he needed healing more than he needed the money. Right? He had settled for what life had cast him. Some of us are just like this man. Healed. We go before God, we go to prayer, we look for something that we think we need, and then God shows up, or a prophet comes, and he's like, this is what you need. You're looking for silver and gold, but I'm going to give you what I have. And this guy was healed, and he just grabbed him. He grabbed him from those that were carrying him, and he pulled him up. If they were carrying him on a, on a they might have had like a gurney or something. And then um, and then that was it. He pulled him up and he was healed. He was healed. I'm sorry, I got distracted there. After that, the guy's jumping and leaping and he's falling all over him. And again, we have an entire... Pentecost moment of Peter preaching his heart out and again he reminds them to repent 
And again, he reminds them of what Moses said, that there's going to be someone greater than I. And again, thousands get saved. I mean, he's preaching a convicting word. He's not mealy-mouthing it. He's telling them where they went wrong. So they know. And they were pierced, and their hearts were pierced. And then guess what? They were thrown in jail. So I don't even know if, if Peter and John were there when all these people got saved, but he had taught them how to become saved and to receive salvation. And so the 3,000 that had been saved, you know, a few days before were probably right there to minister because they were all living together and they were breaking bread and they were unified and they were becoming healed and they were building community, true community, and their walls were coming down. And so the conflicts of race or whatever else had been in the past, they were, they were hearing the stories they found out that we're all human, right? We all have the same heartaches. It didn't matter what color of skin or what nation they came from or what part of the world they were from. God was tearing it up and releasing his spirit across the lands, and they couldn't wait, and they were so filled with the spirit, they couldn't wait to get out there and tell somebody else. I want to be awakened with that. And I know that we are, and that's me. I like, I like telling people about Jesus. I love it because if they can just come to know him and how he's, who he is, all the things that we sing in our worship songs today, that's who he is, and more and more and more. I'm going to end here in Acts 3. It talks about the end times, and maybe we'll talk about this later. How many people want to know when Jesus is coming back? That's a big question. And then there's the people in the world where you might be concerned about that, and they're like, oh, I believe in science. I, I believe in science, you know. Nothing personal. I mean, do your thing. But I believe in science. Well, so does Abba. Father created it. <laughs> Father created it all. I believe in science, too, because he created it. It's just the interpretations. Some have interpreted in another way. Father, in Acts 3, 19 through 21, it, he gives us a clue. Peter, at the second sermon, is preaching. And he's laid it out to him, and he said, you know, you got to repent of your sins here because Jesus must be held in the heavens until the restoration of all things. Now, the restoration of all things is a big, is a big subject, and we need to talk about that. What was Peter talking about? What does that mean? When will that be? And we can learn from what... I'm not, I'm not saying Kathy's pulling a date here. No. But I'm saying that we can watch and we can see. 
and every day is closer to the return of Jesus Christ. Every day. And how we lay hold of him in our own hearts, in our lives. So I bless you today. I bless all of you. Um, and may the Pentecostal fires burn in your heart. May you be blessed today. I'm sorry that I'm a little travel weary. We, we put on about um, four or 5,000 miles in the last 10 or 12 days. So it was a lot of driving, a lot of moving over the past, but it's been good. So, no, we won't answer those questions. So we bless you. May God ignite your heart today, and may he touch the earth with the fire of his spirit.